I went camping alone in the Lake District, Cumbria, a few years ago. I was on my own and had basically walked from Windermere to Troutbeck, about 8 to 9 miles, in the summer heat with a heavy rucksack. I ended up camping at Brothers Water Campsite and was one of the only few people at the camp. I ate some food and went to sleep in my tent, tired from a good day's walk. At some point during the night, I awoke to the sound of thud thud thud, the sound of heavy boots approaching my tent, similar to the vibration you feel when someone walks towards you on the soft grass and rocks. My brain didn't really have time to process it, but it felt odd that someone was making a beeline directly towards my tent in the middle of the night. Then I heard multiple voices sort of chanting in a low voice, getting closer and louder. By this point, I was more confused than scared but admittedly on edge. The boots got closer and increased the pace. Someone or some people were running towards my tent, making strange noises, and then my tent started unzipping. My confusion turned to the cold fear you get of the unknown, and I did the only thing I could think of, considering I was trapped in a sleeping bag in a small tent. I kicked out with both my feet, swinging my body weight in the general direction of the opening, knowing full well that it would connect with whoever was opening my tent. Instead, my feet flopped against the side of the tent, connecting with only the fabric. I startled myself awake. I was having a night terror brought on by a combination of sunstroke and exhaustion. It was all in my head. A very lucid hallucination. It scared me too. My neighborhood is in rural Georgia and is mostly surrounded by woods. Each house's yard has a metal fence and a metal gate before the driveway that require a button to be pushed remotely for it to open automatically. I was in high school at the time and always did my homework in the kitchen at night. To prevent my parents from seeing what was on my screen if they walked in, I strategically sat myself with my laptop away from view at the table in a position where my back was about a yard or two away from the glass side door to my house. It was about 2 AM and I was alone, the only one awake in the house. I was working on an essay when, literally a few feet behind me, I heard a series of rapid, loud, slams against the door, as if someone or something very large was trying to get in. I hear the glass crack. As soon as I heard that sound, my skin crawled, my heart dropped, and I was in fight or flight mode. Something with a large force was mere feet behind me, with only a sheet of glass separating us. My life was in immediate danger. I instantly realized how stupid I was to place myself in such a position and it felt like a century before I could turn around. My imagination was running wild. I whipped my head around with enough speed to give me whiplash and witness a gigantic stag thrusting his antlers and pressing his face against the glass. Our eyes locked. The light from my kitchen reflecting off of them made him look demonic. I have never seen a deer of this mass and this close. In fact, as a Brooklyn transplant, I haven't seen a deer in person at this point. To be perfectly honest, I didn't recognize it as a deer at first. My high school brain, pumping with adrenaline and Adderall, didn't even know how to perceive this thing. It had wide eyes, and I could see the glass fogging from his breathing. I am out of my chair at this point, and he takes off. I run to wake up my family, 
letting them know what happened. We walk out the side door to see the porch covered in splotches of blood. My beagles are going wild with the smells. Oh the smells. I've never smelled anything like it in my life. Like something alive, of course, something of nature, but something very foreign to me. The stag was long gone. Me and some friends went camping in the woods near a river at 16. I had a great time getting really high for the first time. And we got into the tent to go to sleep at about 1 AM. You always hear sounds outside a tent, but you know to just ignore them. But they started to get more and more distinct. My friend was sketching out, and I told him it was just someone walking their dog. I knew exactly what was going to happen when I heard them running towards the tent, and then the sound stopped. Man jumped on the tent. I got out and couldn't see anything. I searched the woods and eventually saw the two guys hiding upstream. We chased them up and found their campsite about a mile upstream. Our mistake was showing ourselves in the light. It became quickly apparent that they were much bigger and older than them. Anyway, we went back and waited, knowing they'd probably return. I heard sounds by the river, so I looped around and walked up behind them, crouching behind a log, and casually said hello. The bigger of the two guys was holding a hammer and leaned towards me with a smile, like the rabbit in Donnie Darko. For some reason, I wasn't really scared and just had a normal conversation. The night continued with us basically sitting by the fire with these two men waiting just out of sight until 5 AM when it got light. They walked up and tried to intimidate us with the hammock. I recently went camping in a dense campground with my fiance. At around 3 AM on one of the nights, we heard something messing with a tarp we had laying on the ground right outside of our tent. I was walking back and forth on it for a few minutes. It scared the absolute hell out of me, but logically I knew it could only be a raccoon or something of a similar size, or a creeper idiot person trying to scare us. We didn't open our door until we heard it walk away. The neighbors were already up and getting ready to go watch the sunrise somewhere, and they said they hadn't seen or heard anything, so it was definitely not anything too big. But an actual danger happened to me as a kid. I was camping in the woods with my dad and brother, my dad's friend, and his two kids. It was nighttime, and me and one of the other kids were chilling out in our tent looking at CDs with the front door flap open so we could also admire the fire. My dad was sitting next to the fire. We heard some kind of creaking sound, and my dad started screaming, get out of the tent. We dropped everything and ran out just as the creaking turned into a loud snap. An old dead branch fell out of the tree near our tent and right onto where we had been sitting. There was a foot-long gash in the tent fabric, which we fixed with duct tape, and the CD case we had been looking at was cracked. We were very lucky to have been able to get out of the way fast enough. One time I went camping with my parents, brother, and almost the entire side of my mom's family, around 30 people, so we were a big group. This was somewhere in Merced, California, and we were there for, I think, four days. My cousin was the one always booking the areas, 
So he booked this one because there was a small lake for the kids to swim in and it was a nice spot. We were right by the parking lot and there was a store and bathrooms nearby, so it was great. He failed to mention, however, that we were in front of a cemetery. Everything was fine until the second night. It was getting dark and we were getting things ready to make a fire when my cousin's son, around four, started running off towards the parking lot. My dad sees him and sees no adult watching him, so he goes after him. My dad asks him why he's running away, and he says he's trying to catch the ball. So my dad starts looking for a ball and finds nothing and keeps asking the kid to point out the ball because he can't see it. He then tells my dad the ball moved and he goes after it. This is when my dad freaks out because this kid is clearly chasing an invisible ball. My dad grabs the kid and takes him back to the house, but says nothing because he thinks it's probably the kid being a kid. The next night, the same thing, but this time towards the direction of the lake, and the same story. This time he says there's a boy who keeps kicking it that way. My dad tells my cousin and she asks him about it, but he suddenly refuses to talk and acts like nothing happened. They forget about it until the next day, when as soon as it gets dark, this kid starts screaming and hiding his face against his mom. She asks him what's wrong, and he keeps pointing to something and screaming. The kid wouldn't stop hiding, and every time he looked up, he kept screaming and crying. The kid was terrified for some reason, and he did not get out of the tent for the rest of the night. We had no idea what he saw, but other things happened to other members. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. ...of the group, and we decided to leave the next morning. I was 19 and out in the woods in the Mount Hood wilderness in Oregon. My girlfriend and I drove out 15 miles into no man's land and then hiked another 6 miles to the spot we had decided on. It was the very beginning of spring at around 5,000 feet and there was still snow on the ground. The forest road we took was littered with downed trees from the previous storm. On the trail, which was covered in snow, we followed what looked to me like fresh black bear tracks, didn't mention this to the lady. We got to our destination, set up camp, and popped a few tabs. It eventually became dark, and freezing, so we took shelter in our tent. We were still tripping at this point but were trying just to rest. I had packed the food away from our camp to be safe, but as we lay awake in our tent, we began to hear a rustling. 
I immediately think of a bear. We just lay there, paralyzed in fear, listening to every sound the woods had to offer, thinking it was moving closer. This went on for probably an hour, it's hard to say because, but eventually the fear passed and we began to drift off. My girlfriend had fallen asleep, and I was on the verge of drifting off but still had some residual effects from the LSD. All of a sudden, I saw a blinding light pass over our tent, which seemed to light up everything. My first thought was that I was being abducted by an alien or something. We were way out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. This time I had enough courage to peek outside my tent, only to see four hikers with headlamps passing by at close to midnight. A very strange night indeed. And it scared the crap out of me. In the morning, we checked out our food sack and realized it had just been a rodent that got into it. When I was seven, my family joined my aunt and cousins on a church retreat slash camping road trip for two weeks. The first week was tame. We stayed at a cabin retreat with family activities. The second week, we began on a road trip through California to camp. On the first day, we stopped at one of those ghost towns. My cousin dared me to steal a rock, and as legend has it, something bad would happen to me for taking haunted property. I expected something like a broken bone or just something painful. That night, we were driving to a campsite down a long, dark, winding road. I was in my aunt's minivan, and my family was following behind. At some point, my aunt says she no longer sees my family in the rear view, but not to worry because it's only one road into a single campsite. They couldn't possibly miss us if they just continued. My aunt had packed all the camping gear, so me and my cousins set up all of my family's tents while waiting for them. Hours later, and still no sign of their headlights. Eventually, I just went to sleep and said we'd look for them on the drive out. We didn't see them. So my aunt just continued on the road trip, probably assuming they had car trouble and drove back to town. Cell phones weren't common, so there was no way of knowing and I was certain something happened because I stole that rock. That night, I stayed up listening to the sounds of life. Either a car crash or, hey, we're being hunted. I wasn't sure, but every sound was terrifying. Maybe they were being attacked by bears or mountain lions. My seven-year-old mind just couldn't think of anything harmless happening. Only terror. Six days later, we were finally on our way home. About two hours from home, my aunt falls asleep at the wheel and crashes into another sleeping driver. Both cars are totaled and we tried to call my dad at home to see if he could help, but still no answer. I'm still worried about them, and I was certain they were kidnapped by a serial killer or crashed off a mountain somewhere. After getting a rental, we finally made it home. It was two more days until we heard from them. Assholes got car sick driving down the dirt road into the campsite, so they turned back to stay at a hotel for the night. And to still enjoy their vacation, they stopped at bed and breakfast along the way and finished the week with two nights at Disneyland. They never thought to get a hold of anyone, and I lived with the guilt of having killed them for eight days, all because of that stupid rock. 
I didn't camp again for 13 years because it was just too stressful to think of people missing and not being able to find them. It turns out my family is just a bunch of dicks. I do most of my trekking in the Northeast US. I have seen a few black bears, moose and whatnot. Aside from a momentary panic, they all stuck to the wilderness bro code of don't F with me and I won't F with you. Anyway, one pitch black night in the white mountains of NH, I am sacked out in my tent, not a thought in my head after a nice day of mountain air. I hear something a few yards from my camp. No biggie, there are lots of creatures sharing the woods. I assure myself that I will set up my bear bag and go back to blissful mindlessness. I poke my head out and swing my headlamp around, secretly hoping I don't see anything. Um. Big. Nothing. More sound. This time I am focusing on locating it and looking out again. Something in the brush to my left. Damn, I have seen a hungry raccoon make a racket for hours if he thinks food is in the mix. I'd better show him I mean business. With my only armor being boxer briefs and a t-shirt, I slip on my boots and walk over to slay the dragon, er. Scare off Mr. Raccoon. I approach my query confident that my quest against the noisy trash panda will result in my victory and provide tales of my epic battle against a man-eater upon my return. Keep in mind, when in the wilderness, one must always be mindful that you are at a disadvantage and should prepare for the worst while hoping for the best, but I have little trepidation. I push back some branches and focus my light on the biggest white bunny rabbit I have ever seen. It was at this time that my spidey sense should have alerted me to the fact that rabbits in the wilds of NH are usually grey or brownish in color, never white. My spidey sense was apparently left in the tent because by the time the thought had a chance to bubble up in my brain, the little critter turned his head towards me and caught me in his demonic gaze with his bright, glowing red eyes. He hissed with the call of his godless people, as if he was cursing a pox upon me and all my bloodline. And like the brave vanquisher I am, I froze. You see, I had stuck my ugly mug right into the maw of a fat, angry, albino, skunk. Three days later, when my trip ended and I was picked up at the rendezvous point, I thought I had washed pretty well and really couldn't smell myself anymore. My buddy, he of the sensitive olfactory, felt otherwise, and I had to ride home in the back of his truck. Fat, smelly, and freezing is no way to end a camping trip. A bull moose stomps around our high mountain campsite at night. Up to 20 feet tall and covered in rocky scree and talos. A mountain lake, a cliff above, and trees slash scree fields were our four sides. Indian Peaks, Colorado, and Red Deer Lake, if anyone is familiar. As he angrily moved, you could feel the percussion of his feet through the ground. I feel it. So disarming. He was literally pushing trees over as he moved. Hear the trunks crack and fall. He was constantly kicking large rocks loose as he moved, sending them scattering loudly down the hill, shattering and thumping. His breathing eventually, I had to get out of the tent to see. It felt like he was on top of us. I could hear his breathing as if he were right there. 
I found he was never closer than 50 yards, but his sheer size made it seem so. What's more, he hung around for so long. The first event was clocked at over 10 minutes of him in our neighborhood, with another 10 minutes of him in earshot moving away. Just as sleep took me, an hour later, he returned. Repeating the performance my two dogs, who normally bark at anything and never show fear, even from a black bear encounter years prior, lay in the tent perfectly silent, shaking so hard you'd think it would kill them, simply staring at me. I really thought the more timid one would die of fear. Hell, I was truly scared myself. Just a few weeks ago, we were on a road trip from British Columbia to San Diego, and we came upon a campsite just outside of Crescent City, California. We drove through, one side of the campground was relatively empty, and I noticed a few scattered tents but nobody close to the location we ended up picking. We had tons of space. We wanted an early night, so I started a fire while my girlfriend started cooking. We ate, had a few beers, and climbed up to our rooftop tent, teepee, with our dog by 9 p.m. or so. I had a rough time sleeping and woke up a few times, but finally fell into a decent sleep. In the pitch dark, with all of our tent windows and canvases closed, I was awoken at 1 a.m. by someone whistling outside of our tent to the tune of when the saints come marching in. After a few minutes of this repetitive whistling, I nudged my girlfriend, who awoke and was obviously freaked out as well. The whistling then turned to chanting things like when you sleep here you disrespect me, and when you disrespect me you disrespect the US Marines. The person would then start spelling out words like F, L, E, E. The verbiage and tone kept getting more aggressive, so we decided we had to make a move. I slowly unzipped the tent while our guard dog was snoring and got my head out of the tent. I took a few seconds to let my eyes adjust and figure out where the person was. I felt more confident once I could somewhat see and hear, so I climbed down, and the girlfriend passed me the dog, and she climbed down, too. We flipped the tent up without securing it, and we jumped into a truck, while the person was still whistling, to a motel in Crescent City. The next morning, we drove back to get the few belongings that weren't in the truck and a family who had been camping a few sites over said it went on for another three hours and it was the scariest thing their family had ever experienced. There was a small group of the oldest boys from my scout troop backpacking in North Carolina, probably eight boys and four adults. We had been hiking all day probably covering 8 miles and gaining 6,000 feet in elevation. We found a grassy area just off the trail and set up camp. We were each cooking our own dinner, and it was getting dark when we heard someone running from down the trail. This dude, late 20s, was carrying a staff, dressed in black clothing, not carrying any water or pack, and running full tilt up the trail in the near dark. He didn't acknowledge us at all just kept running. Nobody said anything as he passed, and we were just recovering from the surprise when it happened again. Up the trail comes a different guy, carrying a staff and nothing else, black clothes and all, running full tilt. We're getting confused and concerned at this point when it happens again. And again. And again. 
A total of six guys, all dressed the same and each carrying a staff, bolted up the trail at what seemed like perfect 60-second intervals. The last guy had a dog running right beside him, but other than that, they were all identical. There was no other place to camp nearby. There was no access to a road for at least eight miles. We recovered from the shock, ate dinner, and were getting ready to sleep about an hour later. It's fully dark by this point. We hear him running again. Yup. The first guy runs past, no light, no hesitation. All six, and the dog, sprint past one after the other. We speculated about illegal activity, cult stuff, or dark rituals going on, and all slept uneasily. In the morning, we saw our footprints on the muddy trail from the previous day, but no boot prints from the runners or their dog. What I mean is, the trail past where we had hiked had no footprints at all. It had rained the day before, but not overnight. There was no reason for them to not have left tracks. We still speculate, seven years later, as to what could have been going on. This was a few years ago. I was on a 14-day canoe trip through a portion of the Canadian wilderness. As we paddled, I turned a corner to see one of the others jump out of her canoe onto land. As I got closer, I saw this weird, run-down-looking campsite. At first I was excited because, hey, we were going to explore this run-down camp. But then something just felt off? I liked that feeling that you're being watched, but I brushed it off as just being creeped out by the environment. So we started to look around. There was a burned-down-looking cabin up a hill, and these weird ropes or wires tied from tree to tree, and just junk laying around everywhere. I'd think it was pretty normal for a weird abandoned cabin in the middle of the wilderness. But then we started to notice things. We found some shirts hanging up in the cabin, in perfect condition despite the absolutely destroyed house. And then we found a toothbrush outside, near the dock we landed on, also in perfect condition. A few fishing poles sat upright outside, even though they would have very likely been blown down in a storm we'd had recently or at least they would have been if they weren't placed that way recently. And on a stump, a pair of children's shoes were just placed there, in pristine condition. All of these things had managed to survive the elements perfectly, unless someone had been by very recently to place them in this way. It all felt very deliberate. Nothing should have been how it was, especially that close to the water's edge. Like I said, the wind would have very easily moved it, especially the toothbrush and the fishing poles. Typing this, it sounds very mild, I guess, but we were all terrified. One of the others was scared, and finally we left, though I had to keep looking over my shoulder as we paddled across the lake. It just felt like someone was watching us, up until we rounded a corner and couldn't be seen anymore. The one who jumped out of the boat to begin with also wanted to take one of the fishing poles because ours was broken, and I talked her out of it. I felt like we were going to be cursed or hunted down if we took anything from the campsite. In the end, the only thing we took with us was pictures of one of the other campers posing with a moose leg that was lying on the dock. We camped on that lake that night. I slept with my knife under my sleeping bag, just in case, 
because the creepy feeling was there up until we moved on to the next lake. The closest I ever came to death was a few years ago while camping. It's a long story, so stick with me. My wife and I aren't avid campers or anything, but we're on a road trip and wanted to save money, so we picked up a tent and some basic gear and left Boston headed west. We stopped at a campground west of Pittsburgh and set up shop. We're both really into stargazing and we're excited to finally get a chance to see some good stuff, being that far in the middle of nowhere, but unfortunately, it was cloudy and overcast the whole night and we didn't see squat. About 2 AM the first night we were there, I got up and had to pee, and about halfway to the public bathroom, I got lazy and just peed on the nearest tree. When I was done, I noticed the tree looked kind of scratched up but didn't think anything of it at the time. I walked back to the tent, and as soon as I lay down, a bolt of lightning and a clap of thunder woke my wife up, who is deathly afraid of lightning. So now we're both up and I'm trying to convince her that we're safe in the tent and won't get struck by lightning. Just then, we hear the most ferocious, loud, aggressive roar I have ever heard in my life just outside our tent. It was at this point that I realized that the scratched up tree sorta reminded me of our cat scratch post and we were right in the middle of mountain lion country. Then I realized I was armed with only my stupid 4 inch bear grill switchblade knife I got at target and the only thing between me and that mountain lion was a thin polyester tent. So with my You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
a wife freaking out about the lightning and the mountain lion and me only freaking out about the lion, I decide the only way we're surviving this night is if we book it for the car and sleep there. I slowly open the tent, don't see any lions, and we beeline to the car safely. At this point, the thunder and lightning are starting to pick up and my wife is still freaking out, so we decide to look up the nearest hotel on my phone and just drive there. Luckily, we found one like 10 miles away, but being as though this is mountainous farm country, the GPS said it would take us at least a half hour. Now we're driving through country back roads, in a lightning storm with bolts hitting in open fields just yards away from the road, up and down mega hills, literally dodging fallen branches at 3 a.m. as the rain really picks up. We got to the hotel around 4 a.m. and got a good sleep for a few hours after we calmed down and before checkout time. When we got back to the campsite the next day, we realized the tree about 5 feet away from our tent was also scratched up, so evidently we were sleeping in the middle of this cat's living room. Okay, I'll have to set some stuff up. Our campsite had a wide lake with mountains surrounding us on all sides, so to get to it you had to creep downhill with your foot on the brake and go about an inch at a time. The drive alone was pretty scary, to be honest, but at that point I'd done it a hundred times. So I'm about 17. I recently discovered the beauty of alcohol and weed and what happens when you mix them. It's me and three of my friends, all staying at this campsite for four days. On the third day, we realized way too late that we were out of firewood, and three of us were already pretty messed up, so it was up to the youngest to head back into town to get more. They ended up taking forever, so we were three cross-faded college freshmen stuck in the woods alone, fully submerged in pitch blackness. In moments like this, you stare at the sky, and I saw something weird. I didn't want to say anything at first because I was new to this lifestyle of being far from sober. I didn't know what freaky results it could produce, but then my friend spoke up about the exact same thing I was fixated on. There's a light up there doing figure eights. It was super slow. I wasn't even certain it was moving at first, but sure enough, we all agreed it was steadily going in figure eights. This was before drones had been invented. It was too high up to be a plane or helicopter, and we were the only ones renting a campsite that week. We were completely alone out there. So we start speculating about what the light is. One person throws out terrorists. I say aliens, because I grew up on X-Files, and it's always aliens. We started speculating their intentions. They're going to drop a bomb on us. They're here to colonize the earth. I say they're going to gas us and abduct us. As the words leave my mouth, what looks like a thick white mist comes rolling over the hill across the lake. All three of us screamed like tiny children. We fully believed the aliens were coming to gas us. I've never been scared like that before, so when my face went hot I thought it was due to an explosion of some sort. We get up, we turn to hide in the tent, and there's our friend coming down the hill in my car. The headlights are bouncing off the lake and projecting onto the mountains. No mist, no aliens, just a trick of the light, and a pair of urine-soaked undies. Not a very satisfying conclusion, but I still can't explain the light. One of the group said it was a laser pointer, 
but I felt like it was too steady for that. It was still there after we screamed, but it stopped moving completely. I know the woods are spooky, but I never thought the prairie could be as well. I was wilderness camping with my girlfriend in Grasslands National Park, Saskatchewan, a place known for its complete lack of trees while also being near the highest elevation point between the Rockies and Laurentian Mountains. A storm system moved in fairly quickly after we had already set up camp and settled in for the evening. There's absolutely no protection from rain, and nothing else around to deflect lightning strikes. We decided at the last minute that we should take our chances in GTFO, so we tore down our camp as quickly as possible and tried to hike out. We could see bolts striking ground no more than 5 kilometers away from us in every direction, and the last 15 minutes of sunset cast a deep red-orange hue over the entire landscape. The flashes and sound of crackling thunder as we were making our way up to the top of a bald coulee sent me absolutely trembling. It felt like we were escaping the apocalypse. Everything kinda looks the same there too, so this fear that we might be lost in the wrong direction was also terrifying. But man, was it memorable. I was camping out in the Boundary Waters canoe area with some friends. There were enough of us on the trip that we had two tents. Anyway, late one night, we are talking to the guys in the other tent, from our tent, and one of them says, what are you guys doing out of the tent? To which we respond, we are all in our tent. At this point, we all go quiet and listen because there is something walking slowly between our tents, you can hear the breathing and footsteps on the ground. At this point, we slowly start to unzip the windows to look into the darkness, and there is something quite large standing there, but we still can't quite make it out. Then one of my tent mates flips on his flashlight, and we are only 10 feet away from a massive black bear standing between the tents, who was quite curious about our camping situation. We did have an air horn, so we just gave a short toot and the bear ran off into the night. Looking back, it wasn't that scary but at the time it was quite frightening. When I was in Scouts, we took a trip to Algonquin National Park. They have these super intense and super small storms hurricane force over a mile or two area if that. I was sleeping at night and woke up to thunder and lightning. I'm in this flimsy little tent and the rain is pouring like crazy. Anyway, after the initial shock of the lightning that woke me up, I tried going back to sleep. After a few minutes, lightning struck nearby. I don't mean within a half mile, I mean within yards of my tent. It was so loud, and I was sure I heard an explosion. I was wide awake for another hour or more before the storm passed and I could finally sleep again. The next morning, I woke up and looked around outside. I found the spot where the lightning struck I knew that was the spot because all that was there was the stump of a freshly destroyed tree. It was no more than 10 yards from my tent. The explosion I heard the night before was the tree turning to splinters from the lightning strike. I went hiking with the scouts on a weekend trip. Of course, no one brought near enough water. On the way up to our camp, 
We spotted a stream to double back to after we set up camp to get some water. We head out with our bottles and filtration, just me and a leader, and about seven other boys. We find the stream. It gets dark as we fill up. The flashlights come on and about 45 minutes after sunset, we start hearing really strange noises. I knew it was deer making some really weird sounding calls, but nothing harmful. The scouts, on the other hand, were freaked out. I told them it was up to them to head back to camp or stay out longer to top off their canteens. They chose to head back. On the way back, I have this strange feeling that I should leave the flashlights further up the trail, where some of the boys are leading. One boy makes moves to pass me, but I grab him and hold him back while I shine my flashlight about five feet ahead. Rattlesnake, a five-footer headed across the trail. All the scouts are really freaking out now, thinking that it's going to chase them. I told them to stop, be still, keep the flashlights off of it and it would pass, which it did. They thought I saved their lives and were telling tall tales of their adventure around the campfire that night. It felt good to have middle schooler street cred. My wife and I were out camping with our four little ones in northern Ontario at Halfway Lake Provincial Park. We were tenting and I'm barinoid, so I had a hatchet beside our air mattress. In the middle of the night, I hear what sounds like a hand tapping the tent and dragging down the side of the tent. Earlier, my wife had taken our six-month-old boy and brought him into her parents' pop-up trailer that had an AC to breastfeed. She knew how barinoid I was, so I thought she was getting me going by playing a prank. I called out to her, wife? From across the lot, I hear her concerned voice call back, what? Throunded and fearing for my life, I decide I have to exit this tent to protect my three little ones. This could be a fight to the death. My heart is pounding so hard I wonder if a heart attack will take me like it did my father. I leap from the tent and position myself with a powerful flashlight and the axe ready to strike, and what do I see there sitting before me ready to end my pitiful existence? A frog. A frog is jumping as high as he can and sliding back down the tent. Keep in mind that I have come within 10 feet of a large black bear by accident on two separate occasions and damn nearly pooped my drawers. Granted, both times were after my pitiful frog encounter. About 20 years ago, when I was in middle school, I was on a backcountry backpacking trip for Boy Scouts in the Smoky Mountains. We set up camp one night in tents, not the stone shelters they have along the at, one night and tucked in. In the middle of the night, we woke up to a torrential downpour and our tents shaking like crazy. The next morning, we packed up camp and got ready to move to our next campsite. About 200 yards down the trail from where we had camped, we came across a swath of trees downed across the trail, sheared off two to three feet off the ground. It turned out a tornado had come through in the night. I was camping out at a... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Occluded campsite, end of Kalalau Trail in Kauai, Hawaii, that's known for having a lot of squatters and hippies that live there year-round. It was about 3 a.m. and I was cold and couldn't sleep, so I got up to start a fire. I'm bent over and hear some rustling behind me in the dark. I shine my headlamp and see only a black silhouette of a person holding a large club-like object. I yelled who the F is there? And the person started stumbling closer into the beam of my light. I now see it's some dirty white dude with a huge afro hair, with a large stick in his hand, and he's completely naked. He still hasn't said anything. What do you want? I'm so cold, and I need some fire, he says quietly, pointing his stick at the now smoldering campfire. I say, Uck sure dude, come get some fire, not knowing what to say but trying not to offend him, the naked man with a sham weapon. He shuffles over, lights the tip of the stick on fire, which basically goes out right away, and then he holds out his hand and tells me, I want to go back to my bed but I can't because I'm blind. Will you show me? How the hell did you see my fire then? I heard the noise. I'd like to go back. It's not far, just right over there, he points off into the darkness from where he came. At this point, I'm pretty sure he's on acid or something and is screwing with me. If he's high, I decided it's better to play along than tell him to F off and then worry about an angry naked hippie man stalking me in the woods all night. That said, there was no way I was going to hold his hand, or get within striking distance. I'll show you back. You can listen to the sound of my clapping to lead the way. I proceeded to clap and kind of nervously whistle him through the woods back towards the way he pointed. The whole time he's following me. He does this imitation of being blind by waving his arms around with his eyes closed. We arrive at this open shelter after about 30 meters, with pots and pans hanging from it and a bamboo mat underneath. As soon as this guy touches the shelter, he immediately goes to his mat and curls up, still button naked, and goes to sleep. Yeah, I stayed up the rest of the night. In the morning, on the way out, he was still curled up like when I left him. I was on the other side of a creepy experience one time. I was camping with my family in the swamp. It was the kind of situation where you had to canoe to the campsite, so there weren't any people around. Well, after dark, we were hearing noises in the swamp and got freaked out, so my uncle went to investigate. 
It is important to note that he just so happened to be playing the main role in Fiddler on the Roof at the time and so he had a giant beard. He was also shirtless and covered in mud because we were in a swamp in the summer, and he was holding a machete because, again, we were pretty freaked out ourselves. But regardless, that's what the poor people who were just trying to pull their canoe ashore to set up camp saw charging out of the swampy darkness at them, a tall, muscular, hairy man covered in mud wielding both a machete and a huge beard, shouting who's out there? They jumped back in the canoe and paddled away incredibly quickly, and I'm sure they're still having nightmares about the mad swamp man that tried to murder them that night many years ago. Probably too late to the game on this one, but here goes. I had been working parkside in Denali National Park for a while and had a couple of days off, but none of my co-workers did, so I decided to go on a solo trip. I got a permit for Green Hill near Ileson and when getting the permit, the park service girl, whom I unsuccessfully attempted to hit on, asked me what color is your tent. I'm not taking a tent, I have a tarp. For some reason, everyone working at Sugarloaf that year was obsessed with tarps, and she says yeah, we don't recommend that. Who are you going with? I say it's a solo trip, and she says yeah, we don't recommend that either, but here is your permit. Six hours later, I get dropped off at the Isleson Visitor Center and head out under the Great One, which was starting to acquire some clouds, but the immensity of the mountain was not diminished. I waded across the Thoroughfare River and, upon getting to the far side, did a dance which I hoped the visitors at Isleson would see through the scopes. About a mile later, I was feeling like a badass a right Denali, I'm a woodsman. And then I crested a hill at the same time as a grizzly bear. The bear just ran off, but it was about that time that I realized that I had taken the last bus out and there was no way out of where I was until the morning. Furthermore, at this point, the clouds had really started to sock in and I could only see the bases of the mountains in the Alaska range. I had angered the gods with my arrogance. So I said to myself, Brett says to me, a bear wouldn't go to a glacier which I later learned was BS, so I made a beeline to the face of the mighty Muldrow. When I got there, the ceiling of visibility was about 200 feet, and until that moment, I didn't realize how noisy glaciers are. So I hide my bear can, get out my sleeping bag, and burrito myself in my tarp with that sexy redhead park service girl's voice in my head repeating yeah we don't recommend that. At this point, it began to rain, and I was convinced that I was going to die out there, and my fate would be lost to all of time. I would die, be consumed by a bear or the wolves that I had just heard howl, and no one would ever know. They would be all like, what happened to Brett? And a park service girl would say, I don't know, but we didn't recommend what he was doing. After a few hours of this kind of thinking, with the creaking and crashing of the glacier, a mobile home-sized piece of the Muldrow broke off and fell into the small lake upon whose shores I was camping. Going into action mode, I inchwormed my tarp burritoed self up the bank just in time to avoid the wave of ice water that came at me. Fast forward several hours and I was picked up by a kind woman running one of the private Kantishna buses who brought me back to the Aramark employee housing where I took an hour-long shower a gravity bong rip and watched the chronicles of Radic with my peeps before passing out, 
waking up the next morning getting baked with my boss and subsequently prepping, cooking, and then mashing 100 pounds of potatoes. It was my first solo backpacking trip. It scared me but also made me stronger. Good stuff. For years, my family would get together and go camping at the same state park. On these trips, my cousins and I would play in this great creek, build mini dams, and catch small fish. It was always a great time. One summer, we were playing at our favorite swimming hole with two other kids when a middle-aged man approached us from a trail. This guy was only wearing a dish towel around his waist. He was also holding his clothes. The guy began to talk to us, asking if we saw his puppy and that he had lost him. I was only 11 years old at the time and knew immediately that something was wrong. So did my cousin and our two friends. We told him no and that we would tell our parents to keep an eye out for the dog. I had hoped he would walk away at this point, but he continued to talk to us about this puppy. Then, all of a sudden, he dropped the dish towel and stood there completely naked. I imagine it was only for a minute or two, but it felt like forever. He eventually apologized, covered himself with his tiny towel, and walked away. I still go camping every year, but this is by far the creepiest thing I have ever experienced. I was homeless for a week waiting for my lease to start, so I was living out of my tent in the northern woods in a small college town. To keep my phone charged, I would spend time at Starbucks, where I eventually got to talking to this guy while waiting for our drinks. We've both lived in a few cities with major Big Ten universities, so we were comparing some of the pros and cons of the big city college feel to the small city college feel. We get to talking about how we like our current city because of how safe it is, and as he's walking out the door, he turns to me and says, except for all of the unsolved murders recently. And that's it, not another word out of his mouth, and away he went. Well, whatever, that was weird. So I don't think anything about it for a while, and come dusk, I pack up my things and head out to my camping spot for the night. It's been a while since I've been there last, but I have a clear destination of where I'd like to set up for the night, it's just above a small pond up on the rocks where a lot of the animals in the area come to drink. It's closing quickly on dark when I get going on the trail, as it really isn't a far walk. There are three trails from the parking lot, and I chose the wrong path. After 20 minutes of a loop around the far side of this pond, I came across the campsite I had remembered. Relieved, I start setting up my tent with the only light coming from my headlamp and the full moon illuminating the clear nighttime sky. I look a few yards behind me closer to the water and my heart drops there is scattered, shredded debris from a previous campsite. A full tent with a collapsed tent has poles jetting in every direction with huge rips in the lining. Clothes are thrown in every direction. A fallen over camp chair laying on its side and a small two-burner grill left out on the rocks. That's when I remember those closing words from the guy at Starbucks, and now I'm thinking, this is where one of those murders took place. By this point, it's pitch black in the woods and I've already set up my campsite. I know that if I try and trek back to my car, I'm going to end up lost, 
so I swallowed my fear and camped there for the rest of the night. It ended up storming pretty badly, maybe two hours after I set up camp, which only made it harder to sleep. I ended up getting maybe an hour of sleep that night, and when the sun came up, I packed everything up and was gone as quickly as I could. I survived the night and haven't heard any stories about that area involving any murders, so chances are it was just some drunk college students who left their gear behind. But the words from that old man were enough to scare the living s out of me. A few years ago, I did a canoe trek across Upper and Lower Saranac Lake in the Adirondacks. The whole trek was 52 miles and took about 9 days. Each night we would sleep on islands on the lake, and some were barely the size of the tent. There were 10 of us, so since we didn't all fit on the island, me and my canoe crew set up our tent and then went to the other island to go eat. After we got back from eating, we found a deer skull propped up on a stick directly in front of our tent facing it. At first we thought it was one of the other crew members trying to scare us, but the same thing happened to their tent on the other island. On a trek like this, supplies are very limited and we are barely on the mainland. This was around the 6th or 7th day, so it was pretty obvious that nobody in our trek group would have carried not one but two deer skulls and been able to sneak away to set them up. It was pretty unsettling. During my time in the Boy Scouts, I went to a summer camp almost every year. One year, while at camp, I was doing the Wilderness Survival Merit Badge. For this merit badge, you had to create your own shelter and fire and last for a night with only you and two other scouts. At about 2 a.m., I felt the urge to make use of a tree and I left our lean-to shelter. When I got out and looked into the darkness, I saw two bright glowing eyes about two meters away from our camp. They were swaying and looking right at me. I froze and then called out to the other two scouts that were with me. They got out of our lean-to and also froze when they saw the eyes. We scrambled back into our makeshift shelter and stayed awake until dawn. When we got up at dawn, we crept outside and checked where we saw the eyes. There was a branch that had splotches of glowing fungi on it that were swaying in the wind. That moment was the scariest moment of my life, and fungus was the cause. A group of us decided to go camp in the mountains on a whim. We weren't totally prepared but we had the essentials for a few nights of mountain weather. Coats, bedding, food, booze, and of course my giant eight-person tent. By the time we gathered up everything and drove to what was nearly the top of the mountain, it was starting to get dark. We left our headlights on to set up camp under some large pine trees and then turned them off when we were satisfied with our own little piece of paradise. After an hour or so of drinking and enjoying the silent, wind-free night, we were all exhausted and turned in for the night. Several hours later, just as it was beginning to get light in the mountains, I sat bolt upright in the tent, being startled from my sleep. My friends were still passed out and I thought maybe I experienced a nightmare as I usually don't remember them. I sat there for several minutes in utter silence, straining my ears to hear every sound. There was the smallest rustle outside the tent, probably 30 feet away. 
I strained my ears even more, suddenly realizing I could hear my own heartbeat getting louder. Was there a bear? Someone out there sneaking around? Are we going to get murdered? I had to find out. I begin to slowly move towards the zipper door of the tent, feeling the rain tarp crinkle below me. Wham! Something hit the tent from the outside with such a sudden noise that I fell back on my ass and woke up my friend. I hear something moving fast, headed away from the tent. I finally tear open the tent door to see nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's dead silent again and there isn't an animal or person in sight. My friends are all awake now and wondering what is going on. I try to explain to them what I heard outside and we went to search the campground for any signs of intruders. We find nothing. Still a little bit freaked out, we decide to just enjoy our trip and keep an eye out on the woods around us. A few hours later, it was time for breakfast so we all sat down around the fire to eat. As I'm eating I see a flash of movement out of the corner of my eye just behind the tent which was about 20 feet away. I slowly get up and start walking towards the tent, keeping my eyes peeled. Just as I begin to round the side of the tent. Wham! The same noise from before, something hitting the tent hard. Then I see a pine cone rolling away from the other side of the tent and in a split second realize exactly what was going on. I look up into the trees above us and look directly into the eyes of the intruder. Staring back at me, way up in the tree, is a squirrel. Asshole had been dropping pine cones on our tent from about 30 feet up. That sneaky rustling I heard earlier? Another squirrel, scurrying away from the tent when it was hit with a pine cone. I was made fun of for the rest of the trip and still have a grudge against those damn squirrels.